welcome to the So Novel Podcast. I'm your host Jess and in this fortnightly podcast I will be chatting all things books as well as interviews with authors, publishers and bookstagrammers. So whether you're looking for your next read or you want to know the story behind the story then this is the podcast for you. Hello and welcome to today's Bookstagrammer chat. Today I am chatting to the lovely Simone from That's Novel. We chat about Bookstagram aesthetics and also some photography tips for your feed. And we also chat about unpopular opinions about bookshelves. We then chat about our Last Now Next reads and we do a deep dive into Sally Hepworth's The Good Sister. Here's Simone. Hi, Simone, and welcome to the So Novel podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Hey, Jess. Thanks for having me on. Now, to start off, I wanted to chat with you about aesthetics. So your feed (laughs) is one of the most aesthetically pleasing feeds that I love to look at, and I know there's a lot of us out there that just have massive like jealousy towards your feed. (laughs) Can you tell us a bit about why you chose that theme for your feed? And can you also give us any tips for aesthetically pleasing photos, in particular like audiobooks and ebooks? Because I think you do those photos really well. Oh, thank you. Um, Yeah, there's no real rhyme or reason to it really. It's just basically where my photos are taken is where I have the good light. So they always sort of look the same because they're always in the same spot. So you have to have good natural light. And if you are taking a photo of an ebook on an iPad or a computer, turn your brightness all the way up. That is the trick. That's the little trick. Yeah, (laughs) I think I... I think I picked that up from someone else's Instagram page, maybe Geordie's Book Club or something like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's just a little trick there. But otherwise there's no, yeah, I just take it in the same spot with the same thing. So it's always looking the same. <laughs> and is that on like an iPhone or do you use a camera? iPhone iPhone, yeah, wow. IPhone, yeah, I do have a big girl camera, but it's just so much work to haul it out. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> can I imagine. It, so, yeah. <laughs> and do you, do you have a passion for photography before starting your Bookstagram account? Yeah, so I actually had um, what is now a private Instagram account and I took part in a lot of photo a day challenges that you see on Instagram. There's a heap out there like Fat Mum Slim and stuff does them. So I used to do those all the time and I did that for about three years and I slowly improved over the time. And then I started sharing book photos and people started commenting on those more. And I'm like, hang on, is this a thing? So that's how I swapped over to Bookstagram because I thought if there are people here willing to talk about books and I don't have to call my poor husband anymore, then I am there. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. Now, excuse me, I have a bit of a controversial topic to address with you. So we were chatting one day and you let slip to me that you don't have a bookshelf because... You don't like the look of them. And I was like, huh? Who is this person? 
that. So do you want to defend your position on this? Because I know you are an avid library borrower, but you do receive some arcs from publishers. So what happens with those books? Um, I actually tend to not keep any of my books that I've read. I give them away. I donate them. I give them to friends, family, whoever. Um, because yeah, I don't have a bookshelf because I hate how they collect dust. I just, <laughs> and they just, I just not happy with how they look. So I actually have all the books that I've bought at secondhand bookstores and things are just sitting in a pile on the floor of my bedroom. <laughs> Apparently that's better than having a nice bookshelf arrangement. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so would you say then that you're not much of a rereader? No, I don't. I don't know how people reread. I mean, when I was younger, I would reread, but that was because I could never find new books to read. Um, so I have kept my childhood favourites, like John Marsden's Tomorrow When the War Begins series and like a couple of other books that I really enjoyed when I was a teenager. But other than that, every book I have either comes from the library or I give it away in the end after I've read it. Yeah, wow. That's so cool. Like, yeah. like the opposite of like most book lovers, I think, isn't it? Like they yes, have these overflowing um, bookshelves, whereas, you know, I always see you like, oh, I'm waiting for this to come in at the library. Yes, I'm very much in the minority, I think. I pretty much borrow everything that I read and if I haven't borrowed it, I've bought it cheap on Kindle or it's an arc from a publisher that's been very kindly sent my way so yeah that's yeah. so cool and what's your preference at the moment is it um like hard copies or because I know you like to read a lot of ebooks and audio books as well yeah so I do love a hard copy um I am on NetGalley so that's why I read a lot of the ebooks but I must say, when you're reading ebooks, sometimes the format doesn't load properly. So it can be very off putting reading ebook arcs because there's random page numbers everywhere. There's no gap in the dialogue. You know, you might have skipped from one time period to another, but there's no indication of it. So it can be a little bit confusing. But I'm just one of those people that just think, oh, look, I'll just, you know, soldier on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I do love hard copies and I love looking at them and having them, but yeah, they just, after a while, they just collect dust because they just sit there and they don't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and no, I'm, such a, I'm such a serial DNFer too, that I feel like I would waste so much money if I bought every book that I wanted to read. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing worse than buying a book and then getting yep. it and going, Oh, I really don't like this. Do you think I'd be able to? I know, right? (laughs) So our next segment is a discussion about our last and our next reads. So, Simone, would you like to start us off with what your last read was? Yes. It was The Codebreakers by Ali Sinclair. Now, that was an arc on NetGalley and it's not going to come out till the start of March. The 3rd of the March is the release date. So it's an historical fiction and it's, a, it's inspired about the um, code-breaking women that worked in Australia at the time during World War II. So it was really quite interesting. 
um, to read about that. And because it was set on Australian soil, it's actually one of the first historical fictions I've read that's based in Australia. Usually everything else is based like where the front line was or in, you know, Europe or America. Um, so this kind of um, delved into a little bit of history of Qantas and the Royal Flying Doctors Association too. So it's quite a little bit of an interesting read. And I've been doing lots of further reading and saving of links to sort of look at later after I've read it. So, yeah. Yeah, that sounds really cool. Was there a movie that came out about that a year or two ago, actually? There may have been. That sounds I'm familiar, that storyline. Sure, yeah, there's um, a few of the code-breaking genre-type movies and books and everything out there, but, um, yeah, I'm not really sure. Actually, I don't think it was Australian, though, come to think. No. Yeah, I think there it was been, the US yeah. ones. Yeah, there would have been. A, there's a few with um, a, a lot of them have men in it and, like, about the Enigma code and things like that. Ah. Yeah. Oh, very good. And what were, what are you reading currently? Um, so I actually have, very unlike me, I have three books on the go. <laughs> I'm usually a one book person at a time. Yep. So I am just have started Outlawed by Anna Noor. And a lot of hype not, around that book. Yeah, I'm not very far in, but I'm finding it really interesting so far. So that was a book that I picked completely based off the cover. I actually didn't know what it was about until I got the book from the library and read the back of it. <laughs> so that's, yeah, I'm not very far in, but it's, um, yeah, very interesting. And it's actually the Reese's Book Club pick too. So I feel like that's given it a bit of a reputation, you know, want to pick it up sort of thing. Because is that a, a YA no, oh, yeah, I guess so. Um, it's kind of hard to tell what age. Yeah, okay, because it's about midwives in like like Midwest society, is it? Yeah, so so far where I've read it, they're in the Midwest. They're in the late 1800s um, and it turns out that after women are married, if they don't fall pregnant, they're actually accused of witchcraft. Oh, yeah, so um, obviously in the very beginning of this story, Ada, who's the character, she is married and she doesn't fall pregnant, but she actually has a very forward-thinking mother who's a midwife. Um, so, you know, she's not particularly worried, but what happens is this town sort of comes after her after there's another plague that comes through. So I'm sort of guessing that they're going to you know, send her away to this notorious gang and she's going to become outlawed from which the title comes from. Um, yeah, so I'm not really sure how old she is. I'm assuming that from the way they talk, they're marrying young. Yeah. So okay. I'm thinking that she must be like 15, 16 because they kind of just talk about when um, they become fertile that they have to start looking for a husband. So, yeah, I think in that respect it might it could be YA but it doesn't kind of feel it yeah so, okay yeah. <laughs> yeah cool um yeah so the other one is a YA that is Majesty by Catherine McGee Ooh. which is a follow-up to American Royals oh yes okay yes so that's an audio book for me um because I listened to the first one and I love the narrator so if you don't know what American Royals is it's the one where um the US is reimagined with a ruling royal family. 
instead of a, a president sort of thing. Okay. And um, basically just what happens amongst the royal family and, you know, there's a love interest but it's, you know, not a an approved love interest. And, yeah, so that's the sequel. So I've only just started that one on audio but that's going really well. And the other one is The Starless Sea by Erin Morganston. Yes, that's a bit of a backlist one, is it? Oh, I am struggling. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I've heard it's a bit like um, you either love it or hate it, that one. Yeah, I'm kind of sitting in the middle. I both love it and hate it. Like I've been reading it for a good four weeks and I'm only like 150 pages in. Because <laughs> it seems to like it's one of those books that kind of goes from one story to another and it skips back and forth. And while the writing's really beautiful, it's kind of hard to get into the plot because the plot doesn't even really exist. <laughs> yeah, okay. But there's there's parts of it that yeah, I keep wanting to read it because there's just parts where you just read a few pages and you just are absolutely spellbound by it. And you think, wow, that was that was worth the last 50 pages just to get to this page. <laughs> but it's getting through those pages to get to that one that's just a real struggle. Because <laughs> <laughs> is that kind of more uh, a literary fiction, I guess? Yes, I would say so. And it's very much outside my genre. I'm not very literary. As soon as thing go, as soon as stories go into that prose, I kind of get lost because I'm I'm a plot, I'm plot driven with every book that I read. Um, you know, I can hate the characters as much as the author wants me to hate the characters. I'm happy to do that. But if there's um if there's no plot, I'm not reading it. So Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I'd be really but, interested to see then how you go with the divines, because I've seen that you had that from the library. And yes, yeah. that was another piece that just because of the cover. So I didn't actually know what it was about until I bought it home. So I'm not really sure how I'll go with it either, but I'm willing to give it a go. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, I found that a bit of a tough one. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, because your kind of genre that you gravitate towards is like crime and thriller. Is that kind of what you would say? Um. Yeah, if you had to sort of look at my Instagram feed as to what I would read, I definitely would say crime and thriller are my most read. But if you had asked me what my preferred genre would be, would be historical fiction, which I've read none of in the last 12 months, except for this recent, um, the code breakers. <laughs> so it's just one of those things that I just seem to, yeah, gravitate towards those thriller type books. But I'm struggling a little bit now because they seem to be getting darker and darker um which I I don't I don't sort of like so mm. yeah it's kind of that <laughs> fine line isn't there <laughs> yeah like everyone really loved the whisper man was it called yeah I've heard of but that one yeah that was definitely not for me I felt that was a bit too well speaking of thrillers my last read was the nowhere child by christian white have you read that one? Oh my gosh yes 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 that was so yes. did good. you love it yes i loved yes. it it was good wasn't it yeah i was really <laughs> hesitant to read it though because i actually read his second book the wife and the widow first 
And like, that was so good. And then I'd seen a lot of people say, oh, I read The Nowhere Child next and it it wasn't as good as The Wife and the Widow. And I was like, oh, I really liked The Wife and the Widow. And I, I probably still do like that a little bit more, but this one was just as good. Yeah, it really was. I mean, The Wife and the Widow, that got me good. Like I fell for that hook, line and sinker. Um, I did read The Nowhere Child, but I did read it going back a couple years now. So I can't really quite remember what yep. happened. But <laughs> I do remember loving it at the time. Yes. Yes. Because, yeah. I mean, thrillers aren't my go-to genre, but if I do read it, I need something that like grips me straight from the beginning. Like I don't like, you know, those slow paced thrillers, which is kind of like what the divines was, was kind of that real slow momentum building, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah. You need a reason to keep turning the page with thrillers. Yeah. There needs to be something there. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So my now book I'm reading is Everything is Beautiful by Eleanor Ray. So it was only released. Oh, yeah. I've seen that. I think it's been compared to Eleanor Oliphant. Yes, that's what got me in because I loved Eleanor Oliphant and I'm probably about halfway through. Um, and it, it's got, it's like not as, not that Eleanor Oliphant was kind of a thriller, but it kind of had that like darker domestic thriller side, I guess, yeah, to it. Where yeah, where you needed to know what was going on. There was yes. something there. Yes, yeah. yes. And I think, like, that was kind of from the beginning with that book, whereas this one it's kind of taken till about now for me to go, ooh, okay, like so- something's going to happen here. Um, yeah, so it's a, a book. the book is about um, Amy and we know that her, pa- her husband, no, her partner and her best friend um, disappeared 11 years ago and no one knows what happened. They assumed that they ran off together. Um, and we find out inexplicitly that she um, has become a bit of a hoarder and has OCD because of that. And the chapters are really cool, actually. So you have like like the chapter number is the present day and then you've got an object as the next chapter and it explains why she hoards that object. So it's really cool and like it, it, it kind of goes between the tenses and, yeah, the, the chapters are divided like that. So, yeah, I really like how, it, how it's set out like that. It's, yeah, something different. Nice. Well, that goes on my um, library reserve list yeah. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I feel very similar to a book I read called The Keeper of Lost Things. Yeah, I forget who it's by. Um, but, yeah, it was very much the same. She, um, The chapters were, like, the chapters were the story and then they had a story about an object that was found or whatever it was. So I really love the set out of that. So that sounds perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds like, yeah, exactly the same. So yeah, I think you'll like it. <laughs> well, nice. All right. Library list to go. Yeah. <laughs> and then I think my next read is going to be Milk Fed by Melissa Broder. Have you heard of that one? I have not heard anything about that, but I have seen it on all of your feeds. It just <laughs> keeps coming up. And everyone's like, I'm so excited to have this book. And I'm and I'm sat over here sort of going, I haven't heard of this book. <laughs> you might have heard. Have you heard of The Pisces? 
No. No. See, I haven't read the Pisces, but I've heard of it. And I think they're both like very, um, like again, literary fiction. So the Pisces is about, now I want to get this right because I had this conversation with someone and they're like, no, 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 no. It was a merman. (laughs) So I think it's like a a woman that falls in love with a merman. Because I was like, is that the part where she falls in love with a fish? And they're like, no, it's a merman. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> but um, what yeah. a movie. Pardon? Was that a movie? Did it get made into a movie? I'm not sure. Wasn't there a movie about a fish? Oh, I don't know. Maybe I'm just going off track now. I, I just thought there was, a, there was a movie a couple of years ago now. Um, it was nominated for an Oscar, I think. I don't okay. know. I'll have to have a look at that later. Yeah. I'll have to have a look. Yeah, because I think yeah. I think the Pisces would have been released maybe three years ago, maybe two or three years ago. Um, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. But no, I've not heard of either. So yeah, I was really, um, yeah, surprised to see this book just come out of nowhere. And it's like on like all the Aussie bookstagrammers that I follow. It's all on your feeds and stories. And I'm like, what is this? Book? What is this? One? And you can't miss it either. It's got a big boob on the front of it, doesn't it? <laughs> So it really like captures your attention. <laughs> yeah, when I saw it, I saw I, I sort of saw milk fed, and I'm like, is that meant to look like a very blatant boob <laughs> <Yeah>. on the cover? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't even really look at what the synopsis was. I was just like, oh, you know, when you just have a feeling when you see a book, yeah, you see an yeah. author, and I know there was a lot of hype around, yeah, the Pisces, which was her first release. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to get that in. I'll give it a go. Yeah, so, go for it. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, like you said, like, um, I think Nell from Nell's books and Pauline, Pauline is reading and that, like, yeah. those girls were really excited about it too. So I was like, okay, I must be, must be onto something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so our next discussion, we're going to do our deep dive. So our deep dive today, we're going to be looking at Sally Hepworth's The Good Sister. So this one's been a bookstagram favorite since its release. And I know there is a lot of us who have read the book like super fast in one day because it's just one of those books you just cannot put down. Once you start, you just like suck straight into the story, which is what we were talking about before about all the good thrillers. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm just going to start off by quickly going through the synopsis. So Fern Castle works in her local library. She has dinner with her twin sister Rose three nights a week and she avoids crowds, bright lights and loud noises as much as possible. Fern has a carefully structured life and is disrupting and disrupting her routine can be dangerous. When Rose discovers that she cannot fall pregnant, Fern sees her chance to pay her sister back for everything Rose has done for her. Fern can have a baby for Rose. She just needs to find a father. Simple. Fern's mission will shape the foundations of the life she's carefully built for herself and stir up some dark secrets from the past. So let's start off with your thoughts on the book. Oh my gosh, I really love this one. Um, just as many other people have, it's so popular and there's a very good reason for that because it's such a great read. Um, my first thoughts was it was a lot darker than I was expecting. Like um, the um, Rose's chapters where she's talking about the mom, I was like, wow, what is happening here? And then it switches until later in the book. I mean, I don't know how far we're going into it to avoid spoilers, but it sort of switches 
and you think, wow, okay, this is even darker than I actually thought. Yeah, exactly. Because we kind of had that unreliable narrator thing happening, don't we? We don't know who to trust, which twin, um, you know, is telling the truth because it switches between them. But yeah, I agree. When I was reading Rose's chapters, I was like, oh my God, this is, this is horrible. Like, um, yeah, yeah. How, how could, how could this happen? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah. So let's chat about Fern to begin with. So Fern displays many characteristics of someone on the autism spectrum, even though we're not explicitly told that she has been diagnosed with that. Yeah, she has lots of the sensory Yeah, yes, lots of sensory issues. Yeah. And then we have her love interest, Wally, who has certain traits that also make him different from others, but similar to Fern. What did you make of both of these characters and how Sally inexplicitly told us about these characters' traits? Yeah, I thought it was built on really well. Like you get to know what the characters are like and you can kind of, you know, take that and make assumptions about, you know, what they have. Like you can assume that she is on the autism spectrum but it's not explicitly, you know, said that she is with the sensory issues. And obviously there's something also going on with Wally um, because, you know, he's a little bit unusual as well. Uh, but I just thought, oh, they were just adorable. I just, <laughs> that little match, it's just a match made in heaven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially when they meet at the library and Fern makes all these assumptions about him at first, doesn't she? And it's like, oh, I hope they get together. <laughs> yes, I know. And even just the fact that she wants to keep calling him Wally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the best. <laughs> Absolutely. And I also loved at the end when, um, like, they create the sensory group for the children at the library. I thought that was yes. so beautiful to wrap up. That was so, Yes, exactly. Like, you know, that's something that, you know, should be done everywhere, really, not just in a book, yeah. but just, you know, um, taking that into account so that other, you know, children with the sensory issues and things can enjoy what the other children do, you know, yeah. and being mums, we've seen, we've seen plenty of that, haven't we? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> now, if you haven't read the book, this might be a bit of a spoiler, so skip past if you haven't. But what did you think of Fern and Wally keeping the baby at the end of the book? I thought that was really good. That was so great. I just, at some at one point in the ending there, I wanted to actually skip to the end because I was like, if they don't get to keep this baby, I'm not reading. <laughs> Same. I'm stopping here. <laughs> I think especially when um, they chase her um, to the library, I was like, oh, my God, they're going to take the baby. Rah, rah. Yes. Like, yes, and we can, like, being mums, we remember that, you know, mother bear instinct that kicked in when we had these newborn babies and, you know, people are coming in to visit them and wanting to hold them and you're like, oh, no, like, <laughs> that's mine. Exactly, so, exactly, yeah. You know, Pass just back now. that fear of someone trying to chase you to take away your baby, it's just, yeah. So yeah. I was very happy that they got to, they kept the baby and that firm was comfortable enough to, to, you know, be able to say that she can be a mother, that, what Rose did to her um, didn't destroy 
what she thought she was capable of. So that was really nice. Yeah, absolutely. And what did you think about how Sally kind of presented um, the topic or the theme of nature versus nurture in the book? So we've got these two twins that are kind of total opposite ends of the spectrum in that, you know, Fern has these um, neuroatypical traits, whereas Rose has, you know, all this organisation and is very um, neurotic, very routine-driven. And it Mm. kind of comes into this play because, yeah, as we were talking about before, Rose talks about her upbringing in her chapters and we find out these horrible things that have happened to her in her upbringing. And there's kind of this theme of, you know, how much is nature versus nurture when someone is growing up and developing their characteristics? Yeah, so in the beginning of the book, you could kind of see why Rose was the way Rose was. But then, um, spoiler alert, when it switches and you discover that that's actually not the childhood she had that was very interesting. You thought, well, (laughs) why are you like the way you are if you actually had a mother that was, you know, did everything she could for you instead of the mother that was portrayed for the first half of the book where it was she was nasty and gaslighting and, you know, emotionally abusive and all those types of things. So I don't know. It was like, you know, I felt sorry for Fern for the first half of the book and then I thought Fern had such a wonderful mother. Of course she wanted to keep going and, you know, seeing her at the nursing home and things like that. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that um, how she, yeah, did incorporate the, the mother at the nursing home towards the end was really interesting too, like you just touched on. Yeah, yeah. like, yeah, we find out a bit more then that and I think that's kind of when the the twist comes in a bit doesn't it it was like oh like who's telling the truth here exactly I mean if for a good thriller you need that unreliable narrator and this had it in spades it was it was just fantastic because you just didn't really know who to trust halfway through you were like well what's going on here And you just sort of had to have your suspicions yourself and then, yeah, whack, you get hit by it and, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. (laughs) Now, to finish up our chat, we're going to play a round of Fast Five. So five quick questions to get to know you a bit better. Okay. Okay, so number one, audio or e-book? Oh, e-book ebook because yeah audio is tricky they then the narrator if it's not a good narrator it doesn't matter how good the book is I cannot listen and um yeah so yeah definitely if I had to choose it'd have to be ebook <laughs> yeah that's super interesting you say that because it's like a make or break <laughs> with the narrator isn't it yeah like I'm yeah. not a massive fan of audiobooks still but I yeah. started reading reading um the Rosie effect I think it's the second one and yep. yeah the guy who narrated that I was like oh this is just painful to listen to <laughs> yeah yeah I mean I never I never listened to audiobooks but it wasn't until like I became a mum and then I was spending half the night awake <laughs> um but not wanting to turn a light on to read 
that I actually started listening to audiobooks because I thought, oh, I'm wide awake now, um, but I don't have anything really to do. So I'm going to have to lie here and listen to something. So that's how I got into audiobooks, but I'm still very, yeah, the narrator is make or break. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And talking about like the audiobooks, how you were talking then about how they're um, a really good resource for mums. There's yes. um, a bit of a topic on Bookstagram at the moment. I don't know if you've seen it about whether audiobooks count as reading. Have you seen that? Yes, Just- I do see that. I think a lot of people on Bookstagram have a lot of opinions. Yes. <laughs> and I think I just kind of want to get on and say, to everyone you know just stay in your lane like do what you want to do if you want to listen to audiobooks then you listen to audiobooks it's still a book it's still a story it counts exactly you've still got to follow along with the story like I don't know how it's really any different to looking at a story as to listening to it like yeah yeah and and yeah I'm not really yeah I'm not really sure how people can say it's not a book because it's still a book. You're still getting involved in the story. And I think if that's the way that you want to access um, your books, then go right ahead. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And yeah. it is a lot, it is more accessible for a lot of people who may not be able to read or those who are visually impaired, or as I put it, like for my children, I put audiobooks on, you know, when we're at home rather than having the TV on or something like that. Yeah, exactly. you know, I don't have yeah. all day to sit down and read book after book with them (laughs) yep exactly so yeah I think it's just I think it's fine you know audiobooks count they definitely count absolutely number two always read to the end I think I already know this answer or DNF (laughs) DNF life is too short to read a book that you are not enjoying (laughs) when would you normally like DNF a book like do you have a, a page cut off yeah, look, I'm I'm pretty savage when it comes to a DNF. Um, I will push to page 50 if I'm not enjoying it. But by page 30, if I'm not into the book, I either think, okay, this either book is not for me or this book, I think I will like it, but it's not for now. Yeah. So that will go back on my library list to be reserved again or if I happen to be down there and see it while I'm picking up my other reserves, I'll get it again. Um, yeah, I just, yeah, life's too short to push through a book that you're not enjoying. So um, there's a lot of talk on Bookstagram too about people always being positive about their reviews, you know, and it not being believable if every review you put out there is positive. And I remember messaging someone recently and I said, well, you have to take into consideration as well that there's some of us out there that if we don't enjoy a book, we don't read it. Exactly. And if I don't read it, it doesn't make it to my Bookstagram page because what's the point in posting about a book that you don't like? So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I know there'd be like a lot of accounts out there who would have, you know, heaps of photos on their account in the end being like, this was a DNF. This was a DNF. Yeah. And my and my pet hate about Bookstagram, I think, is people that, oh, I have to word it right, they tear books apart that they don't like to be entertaining. Mm. Mm. And yeah. I just think that if you didn't enjoy a book, that's fine because not every book is for everyone and that's okay, you know. Um, but there's no reason to tear someone's work apart just for a few lols on a post. Exactly. 
Exactly. And I find that a lot too with like um, romance books as well. Like if someone didn't like it and they're like, oh, this isn't my normal go-to genre, but this is why yeah. I created this book. And I'm like, well, if it's not your normal go-to, then of course it's going to be have to be something different and gripping for you to enjoy that book. Like there's not, that yeah. means there's nothing wrong with the book. It's maybe it's just that you don't enjoy those types of books. Yeah, exactly. There's a difference between a book being not enjoyable for you and being problematic. I'm all for negative reviews if there's a problematic book because that needs to be out there. Um, But yeah, if you just didn't find enjoyment in the book, then obviously it wasn't for you. So just put it down and move on. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Now, number three, quiet or background noise when reading? Oh, I would choose quiet. But all my reading, because I have a four-year-old, is to background noise. (laughs) (laughs) Is that kids' shows or? um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So mostly when I get to read, it's because Ali's been taken in by a movie or a show. So I'll be like, okay, well, I'll pick up my book and start reading it now. So it's always with Peppa Pig or Bluey or, you know, some sort of show on in the background. So I would choose quiet but I don't get quiet. (laughs) (laughs) I feel you. I feel you. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Number four, do you read in the morning or do you prefer to read at night? Um, I used to be a nighttime reader, uh, but now I'm a morning reader because if I start reading at night and I get into a book, I do not go to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) I need to go to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes I've had a quite quite a few of those nights or I find yeah. it really frustrating too because I'm a night reader I just I, I can't get around that but um yeah. if I'm like really like I, if I'm enjoying a book but I'm just had like you know some super exhausting days and I'll be there like falling asleep through it I'm like come on sit up like get alive <laughs> Yeah, so I tend to wake up a little bit earlier than Ali if I can and make a coffee and that's when I try and get a chunk of reading done is in the mornings. I used to, yeah, I used to pick up books at night time and just start reading them, but that was before, you know, <laughs> a four-year-old, you know, knocking on your head the next morning saying, come on, mom, it's time to get up. Get up so. yeah. <laughs> and number five, do you have to finish at the end of a chapter or do you stop anywhere? the book oh that's a good one um I would say I have to get to the end of a chapter yeah oh yeah I have I can't leave a book in the middle of a yeah in the middle of dialogue or anything like that it has to come to a neat end so maybe not the end of a chapter but just the end of yeah, where, where the there's kind of their, that the paragraph yeah. break sometimes. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. I have to end there. <laughs> I can't just put a book down and be like, oh, I'll read that later because then I have to go back and read more to come back into it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. No, I'm the same. Yeah. It has to be the end of the chapter, or yeah, yeah, there has to be some type of like indent break yeah, or something. There's like got to be that break there. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Sure. <laughs> well, Simone, thank you so much for joining me today. If you're wanting to check out Simone feed you can find her on instagram at that's.novel and thank you so much well thanks jess for having me on it was super fun (laughs) if you enjoyed this episode please let me know you can subscribe and leave me a review or rating on apple Podcasts, or find me on instagram at so novel podcast 
Thanks for listening. And until next time, happy reading. Happy reading.